Have you ever let a day slip by and only completed all the small tasks without ever getting to the big problem you needed to address? Have you ever struggled to focus and get settled in once you're ready to work? Make Time is the book that we're going to look at today and has a tagline, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day. We'll talk about our takeaways after this introduction and how it relates to your finances. Welcome to the Delve Into Money podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. This is the personal finance podcast where we attempt to demystify money by reviewing books and applying what we learn to our own financial journeys. Welcome to episode one. I'm so pumped for this day. I've been planning this for the last few months, had this idea for the podcast. You you can look and, and hear about that in the introduction episode, which is technically episode zero. But for this day to finally be here is really, really surreal. I would encourage you to go listen to the introduction episode. I don't officially call it an episode, but if you're more interested in the story of this podcast, please go check it out there. Today, we're going to talk about Make Time, a book written by Jake Knapp and John Zersky. They talk about a system that they created for getting what matters most done every day. And they make a point early in the book to talk about how it is not productivity that they're seeking out, but getting the things that matter done. At each step of this system that they created, they provide tactical and practical advice. Tactical, practical, practical, tactical. What difficult words to say together. Let's jump right into this. Let's let's talk about first, I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview of the book, and then we're going to talk about the takeaways that I had and what I learned. To quote the book, even if you don't completely control your schedule, and few of us do, you absolutely can control your attention. In the book, they talk about the idea of the busy bandwagon, which is just the endless tasks that we have that are always popping up again and again, that's contributed to the culture that we have today, the email, all of the tools that we use. And then they talk about infinity pools, and this is about controlling your attention, but it's just the endless distractions that we have around us and how it can be hard to get to the most important things that we need to do. In their system, they talk about, uh, and, and I'll provide a link to kind of the images, to kind of some of these resources. So, so definitely check out the show notes. But they talk about kind of a four-step, three-step with an add-on system. The first step in that is choose a highlight to start each day with. We want to, this should be something in between a goal and a task. So it's something that you can get done in a day, something that that is going to get you towards the goal that you need, but is not so small that it won't matter in the scheme of things. And that we want to choose that priority and put that as the most important thing for our day. Another quote, you only waste time if you're not intentional about how you spend it. So the next step is once you've chosen a highlight is we got to get to laser focus. So they call this phase laser. This is where the name of the book comes in, Make Time. 
says beat distraction and make time. We need to adjust our use of technology. And they talk about watching out for time craters, which are small distractions that create much larger holes in our day. They reference some research done by Gloria Mark of Cal Irvine and say that it takes us 23 minutes to get back on task when we've been distracted. There's this just residual in our brain that does not allow us to get back to full productivity for 23 minutes. That's a crazy amount of time. You could do the math on if you had a certain number of distractions, how many productive minutes would you actually have in a day? And I'm sure it would be minuscule. We're not going to dig deep, deep, deep into that, but there's definitely some books and resources that we're going to be talking about as we get further into this podcast that we will probably actually dig deeply into this concept. But this is something that I've quoted time and again, something that I definitely think is a big drag on our jobs. I think that if we had less distractions, if we had less interruptions, that we could work and get the same things done in a lot less time. The third piece of that puzzle is that they want you to, after you've created a highlight, you've laser focused on that highlight, at the end of the day, they want you to reflect and adjust and improve your system. They want you to observe what's going on around you, guess why things happened the way they did, and experiment to test your hypothesis. Along with that experimentation, we need to measure our results and decide what was right, what was wrong, what we need to apply or do differently the next time. The add-on to their system is what they call the energized step. And it talks about how we fuel our bodies, recharge our brain, talks about exercise, food, sleep, quiet time. Uh, If you're someone who likes to be around people, that face-to-face time with people, and they talk about how to energize yourself. One of the things I loved about this book is you had 80 plus applications that went with each of these four areas. And I think That's so unique. They could have done a stuffy research book because their background, I'm sure they had the resources for that, but they chose to go very simplistic with it. They chose to really go towards application. And I think that that is something that made this a book that we loved. I remember um, I came across this book a few years ago. I listened to it on audiobook within the first few chapters. I knew I was going to love it. I even got my wife and said, dude, you need to listen to this with me. I'd listened to probably half or almost all the book and I started over just so she could have the experience with me. We then came home and we actually bought the physical book. I read this book again. And then a year later, I read it again. So I've probably been through this book four times, five times, which is extremely rare even some of my favorites, I've only gone through, you know, two, maybe three. I've definitely not gone through anything four other than this book. And so I just found it extremely delightful. It had a great style to it, and it had a lot of application and a lot of things that we could apply to our lives. So now that we know the framework, I want to talk to you about the main takeaways, the things that I learned from this book, Then we'll take a short little break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the actionable steps, things that we can apply to our financial lives. Takeaway number one, 
In Make Time, they talk about the concept of infinity pools. Infinity pools are apps and other sources of endless replenishing content. The goal of infinity pools are to keep you looking. Our goal should be to disengage from those infinity pools. We're going to lose this battle, so the only option is to abolish them to specific spaces. So this concept of infinity pools is something that just makes sense, but something that you'd not really thought of. Uh, this is this is the social media app that when you refresh it, you pull down, it refreshes, it adds more content. This is even a news app. And I'd say this is even, uh, you know, like my app of, of Pocket that I used to enjoy where you save articles for later. I still use it, but I don't use it like I used to. And I would just add and add and add and then feel like I had to get through those. So it just created a constant source of information and content that could just drag you down into a hole and eat up a lot of time. These can also be kind of your your Netflix and your your Prime Amazon Primes, your Hulu's. Even TV could be one of those because it just is constantly going and going and going. And so if it can give you something that's intriguing, then it's going to keep you coming back, spending more and more time. These tech companies today have gotten very good because if you think about this, they make money from you using their product. This doesn't make them evil. This just makes them like every other capitalist company out there. This naturally means that they're always grasping for your attention. So if something is grasping for your attention, we want to create tension and fight back and not just fall into what they're trying to get us to do. So he talks about a, a number of different ways to combat this. And so I'm going to break down a few of these. The first one is that we can change the defaults. If you think about it, the default setting of your phone, the default setting of your apps is going to be to push notifications out there. They're vying for your attention. They want to get you to use them because if you use them, it makes them money. We want to fight against that default to action. So ways that we change these defaults are we remove notifications. We even remove apps from our phones. One of the other strategies, ways to combat this infinity pool is to limit our time and places that we can interact with certain apps or certain, certain things that we interact with. So a good example of this for me was I removed all of the news apps from my phone. I would spend an endless amount of time reading, looking at news. I, I removed all the social media apps because I knew that the second I got bored, I would pull those apps out and start endlessly scrolling. And we limit the time that we spend and we limit the places that we can spend that time. So for me, that removing of those apps limited that to a specific place when I was on a computer. That automatically limited my time. Samantha, my wife, has taken a little different approach. She will put screen time limits on her apps. 
So it will prompt her, hey, you want to get off of here? Like you've told me you want to get off of here, basically. Uh, these were done when people were pushing and pushing back on the amount of time people were spending on screens. And so we absolutely want to use the tools that they've given to us. Some more ways that we can combat this, and, and this is actually, we talk about creating barriers between us and our technology. The actions I've already mentioned, I deleted social, I deleted the news, which the news were one of those infinity pools. So delete in infinity pools. Another one is deleting email from your phone. I will admit I do not currently have it deleted, but I do have all notifications turned off. Another barrier is just that, turning notifications off. So the only notifications I get are going to be my text, phone calls, and then my ring notifications, which I'm trying to figure out ways to even reduce those. But those notifications are distraction central and take away your attention, which we talked about. Every time our attention is taken away, that can result in 23 minutes of time less productive than fully focused. Something else is removing the web browser, because if you remove the apps, you can just go to the web. I know that this may seem a little extreme, but the reality is, is if you have things that you need on the run, you can always download the app. A perfect example of this is, is I keep apps that are useful when I'm not at my home base. So one of these would be the Maps app, right? I would never remove the Maps app because if I'm out and about, it's going to help me get to where I need to be, or it's going to help me find that restaurant or find the closest place to mail something, whatever that looks like, that app is going to help me in my daily productivity, in my daily flow of work, in my daily errands, in my fun. It's going to help me accomplish what I want to accomplish outside of that cell phone, outside of that media source. Removing the web browser may seem extreme, but all it really does is stop you from mindlessly going from thing to thing. And I think a lot of us could benefit from that. Takeaway number two, top email management philosophies said that inbox zero was the ultimate goal, but clearing out your inbox resulted in more replies, more interactions, which then filled the inbox back up again. Rethink how you engage with email and be intentional about the choices you make. So this is absolutely one of those things that that is a little bit counterintuitive. I was absolutely on the inbox zero train. As you think further about that, what that means is you're spending time going through things that aren't important to you and you're spending time responding and creating more email flow, which is then resulting in more time needed to be spent to respond to what you've now tried to clear out. So it creates just this vicious, vicious cycle that can be hard to get out of. Cal Newport came out with a book just recently. Uh, he, he was the author who came out with Deep Work in a book, Digital Minimalism. All of these are unbelievable books. I would, I would just encourage you to 
to look at them. I'd encourage you to pick them up. But the book that he specifically came out with in this instance is his most recent book, and it's called A World Without Email. And he talks about reimagining work that doesn't surround itself around email. In this, he talks about how IBM, when email first came out, knew that they wanted to implement this in their company. So they took all the data that was being done in faxes, being done in memos, everything else, and they built the servers around that amount of data. Within weeks, maybe even days, I don't remember the exact timeline, those servers had completely crashed and were unworkable because the amount of content going back and forth via email was something that was unimaginable to them before it was deployed. This is such a great example that email creates a crush of low quality work and is something that we need to not build our work lives about. Cal Newport talks about instead building different workflows that don't use email. You set times, you set up other systems so that email is something that you don't have to check as regularly. One of the great follies of email was the fact that we set email up to our individual names. This was a concept that I thought was really good in Cal's book of we should have set emails up to be kind of shared inboxes, not to an individual, but to a group of people that were working on a problem. If you think about that, that changes the way that we interact with that tool. So a few things when we talk about email management and the philosophies behind that. The first thing is, is I turned off all my notifications. I do not have notifications for email on my phone or on my computer. This allows me to work more focused on all the things that I want to work on and not be focused on the priorities of others as they come in. Some people find workarounds. They'll come to my office instead. Other people may not even realize that this is what's happening because I don't sit there and and promote it and say it. Some people are probably going to be shocked when they hear that. But I've had people, when I've brought this up, mention that they thought, yeah, you do respond a little bit more slowly. The great thing about turning off notifications is that it slows the roll of your inbox. The faster you reply, the more replies you get back. Goes back to that inbox zero thing. A 2014 study reported, and this is from the book, Make Time, that when people checked email three times a day, only three times a day, they reported significantly less stress. We are stressing ourselves out. We are making ourselves hate our work because of the stress of that email and the flow of what's going to come in and tell us what to do. So when you want to slow down your inbox, you have to do a few things. You need to schedule time that you're going to be in your inbox. This is two, maybe three times a day at most, depending on the type of inbox that you're running, the type of request or things that you're seeing. And then the second one is to be slow to respond. One of the things that's a little bit counterintuitive in this is that if you're slow to respond, you'd think people would get upset. But what ends up happening is when you're slow to respond, I find that there's kind of two things that go on with this. First, 
your inbox is less full. That's awesome, right? But the other element of this is if you're slow to respond, people will generally do a better job of getting you the information they need. When people expect you to respond immediately, they can put things off and make their emergency your emergency. But if they know that your response is going to take some time and it's going to take you, you know, all day or the next day to get back to them, they're going to be a little bit more prompt in getting you that information. This is just kind of a side note here, but also less email means you interact with the people you work with more face-to-face. I, you know, while sometimes this can be a little bit frustrating, this is the way that we were meant to work. So let's continue to work that way because it creates relationships. It has, it's a way better communication channel. So much gets lost through email, so much context and, and mood and so many other things. So let's find ways to work around email. And we just need to think about it because when we don't think about it, we default to sending the mindless emails, the mindless texts, uh, the mindless conversations. Whereas when we think about the way that we're interacting, we create a much better workflow and one that, that creates less stressful work environments for everyone involved. Let's take a real quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about the actionable steps that you can take that you can apply to your financial life. If you've made it this far, I want to thank you so, so much for listening to the podcast. I would love for you to go on your favorite platform and give us a rating and review. It would be extremely helpful, the social proof that people need to join us. If you have a book that you think would be great to talk about, or you have something that you're struggling with financially, I'll put a link in the show notes. Click on that link and give us the feedback that you have, because early on in this journey, it's super, super important that we hear from you so we can make this show what you, the listener, wants. So again, I want to thank you so, so much, and we'll be back to the episode right after this. Okay, welcome back. So a little bit of story time here. It's kind of interesting. When I was putting together this podcast, I could not decide what I wanted to do for my first episodes. But as I thought about it, I realized make time is something that has greatly impacted me. It's something that is probably not as widespread as many others, so I think feel like it could pique the interest of some. And for those who have heard of the book, it piqued their interest as well. The other thing is, is I wanted to start with something that wasn't a strictly financial book because I wanted to set the table for the fact that I was not just solely going to be doing financial books. And then I felt like my takeaways from non-financial books could actually be more important than the ones from, from all the financial classics, because everyone talks about those and how they relate to your finances. So I felt like I could provide a little different take by talking about non-financial works and applying them to your financial life. So as I made the decision that Make Time was going to be my first podcast episode, I started doing some research. And what I found is on the website 
for Make Time on the website that's that's maintained by them, they've released a bonus chapter that is labeled the Someday Fund Money to Make Time. So while I thought I was doing something original for their book, they had already, or specifically John, or, or Jay-Z as he calls himself in the book, and I think that's maybe what he goes by, had already created an additional bonus chapter that talked about the make time system and money. This was obviously extremely helpful in, in producing this podcast, but I would encourage you to, to go read this chapter. I'll provide a link to their blog. I'll provide a link where you can sign up to get this chapter. But super, super interesting takeaway from this. If you go download their bonus pack with the bonus chapter, I would encourage you to put the Delve Into Money podcast and how you heard about us because maybe we will that will give us the opportunity to get one of them on the podcast to talk about this concept a little bit more in depth. So if you do that, let me know. I would love to hear that you're enjoying the Make Time book just as I did. Now to jump right in, sorry for that little diversion. I sometimes get a little distracted, so hopefully I'll stay on point for most of this podcast and, and I'll do my best to edit out the things that I don't feel like bring value. In the additional chapter that John wrote, he talks about creating a someday fund and he talks about his experience. So they worked at Google and had a lot of experience with a lot of these different apps and they 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 done a lot of different things. Uh, and, and their idea of the Someday Project is to take time away from your existing professional work and that we want to set a fund up that allows us to do that and that allows us to have open-ended time away from our regular job or day-to-day pursuits. This is something that is very, very similar to the concept of it, what you'll hear about in the FIRE movement, the FU money, meaning that you can quit your job if something or whatever happens that, that you don't like. You can say, hey, screw y'all, I'm out of here. But he talks about this someday fund that you can have money set aside so that if you want to go pursue something different, you have the ability to do that. And I think this is something that is great for all of us to strive for. I know the majority of us are not going to be there today, but if we plan for it, it can absolutely allow us to have these little pauses in our career that could be a refresh. So he had a couple different ways that you could fund your someday project, which is something that you want to get away from your professional work to do. It could be something that you fund as you go. So maybe you change, you quit your job, and you want to go pursue uh, backpacking around the world, okay? This is the most prototypical uh, millennial weird type thing that you could do, right? And because the living expenses for that pursuit are much less, you could fund it as you go. Another thing you could do is you could pull it from a pot. So you could have three to five years saved and then withdraw as necessary to, you know, to draw down that three to five years of saving. And then when you're running low or you're getting, you know, where you want to go back to your regular work, you then go back to your work, you're no worse off, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
The other way is, is what you will typically see in the fire type movement is that you want to, what he calls endow your someday fund. And he talks about the safe withdrawal rate so that if you, you have a pot of money, say that's, let's just go with a million dollars and you want to pull 4% of that money because that's what we've said is the safe withdrawal rate. A lot of research behind that we're not going to get into now that you could draw 40,000 for a couple of years. So say it's, you want to do this for three years, you could draw 40,000 for three years and then go back because you know you don't want to live on 40,000 the rest of your life. The, the thing that I think is great about the Someday Fund is we get the Someday Fund or Someday Project is that we get in this mode that we always have to work. And that's not necessarily the case, that we can all build our financial future the way we want and that by by creating our own plan that is going to help us have the most success or have the success that we want to have i think we we see a lot of the advice out there and we see other people and we want to to be normal in so many ways but that this someday project if we have this idea we could take time away and be able to enjoy time away from a regular job. So the steps that he talks about are create a surplus. So we want to keep our fixed expenses extremely low because that's how you create a surplus. We want to, step two, buy a piece of prosperity. So we'll put this money into a taxable market account. Then number three, sell it to spend it. Once we're now in that someday project, every three months we evaluate what we need and we sell or get rid of those things so that we can keep a year's worth of cash in the bank and then back fund every three months to see how we're doing. That means quarterly we're estimating what we're going to spend over the next 12 months, subtract that from what is in the bank. Sell what you need to sell to make up the difference. Just a quote from this bonus chapter. These small changes will compound over time, creating the space you need to make your days less busy, more focused, and more joyful. Now that I've stepped off the default path, I realize that the true power of my someday fund is not reaching a specific goal. It's in being prepared for whatever comes next, no matter where my someday takes me. This again is the idea of let's prepare for whatever that someday is, even if we don't know it right now. And I think that's a great attitude to have. You know, I don't know what your someday pursuit might be. Some of that might be the prototypical, I'm going to backpack or I'm going to go on a sailing trip around the world, which I think is what, what John did. It could be I'm going to become a missionary overseas to this to these underprivileged children because I'm a Christian and I want to go share the gospel. It could be a million different things. But this amount of freedom, it removes also some of that pressures because we we always think that we're in this accumulation that we've got to just keep pushing and keep pushing. Well, this pause can reset our mindset as well. And so I think Maybe this isn't a great place to start as far as motivating people, but all people are not motivated by just this accumulation or this financial independence 
or retiring that people like to talk about in today's world. But this someday fun is that financial independence that people are looking for that gives them the freedom to make decisions that they want to make. It may not mean that they're at their ultimate goals, but it may mean that they're three, four, or one or two steps short of their ultimate goal, and it allows them to pause and enjoy a little bit of what they've accomplished to this time. So the overall concept here is we can use the make time system, we can reduce our distractions and work on what matters most, which will allow us to plan for these someday projects, these someday funds, and allow us to make in a more ideal life. The takeaway from here is just dream, let's dream a little bit. What would your someday project look like? And and you can email me this. This is Curtis, K-U-R-T-I-S, at delvinamoney.com. The second question is, how much would that cost? Once we have those two questions answered, we can determine, is this someday fun something that we want to do, or is it something that we don't want to do? I think we all need to plan for that someday project. Even if we never take it, the planning for it would allow us to take it if we so desired, if that desire changed. I think it's great to be overprepared and then not need what you overprepared for. Anyways, that's going to be a wrap for today. I thank you so much for joining me on this first episode. If you have any feedback, if you have any books to suggest, if you just want to, to talk to me about this book, I would love to hear from you. You can go to the website, delveintomoney.com, connect there. Thank you so much for joining me. I'd love for you to subscribe and share this podcast with someone you think could gain insight or gain value. Until next week, remember, healthy financial decisions are intentional financial decisions. Intentional decisions this week lead to a healthy financial future. Start today and see you next week.